0: Probably the most uh, well-known Christian benediction is the verse that we read in uh, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. You don't need to turn to it. You probably know the benediction very well where Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You've probably all heard that benediction. And, uh, you know, the God that we serve is a God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't understand all the ramifications of that, and we can't fully explain it. We can only say what is recorded in the Word of God. And very clearly, we have one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And... There are many things that we can know about Jesus. You know, from the word of God, it's important for us to know about his virgin birth, about his life, his spotless life, about his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. But you know, when Paul pronounces blessing upon us in in the name of Jesus, he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. See, we can understand all these things, but if we never get a revelation of grace, we won't receive half of what God wants us to have. Amen? We need to understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this church preaches a lot about grace. But then he goes on to say, and the love of God. Again, we, there are many things we know about God. We know that, you know, He is the Creator. We know about His attributes. He is eternal omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and so on. We know all these things. But you know what? The one thing that Paul wants to leave with us as he pronounces a blessing upon us is the love of God. Because if you don't understand, I don't just mean here, but I mean in our hearts, if we don't understand the love of God, if we don't get a revelation of that, we will relate to this God in a distorted way. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, again... There are many things we can say about the Holy Spirit. And, and as, pen, you know, as Pentecostals, we, we kind of really um, have a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, We can talk about speaking in tongues and we can talk about the gifts of the Spirit and so on. And all these things are good and important. But the one thing that Paul wants to leave with us to really cause us to focus upon is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know that the Holy Spirit is a real person who lives inside us, who God intends for us to have fellowship with and to enjoy fellowship with. And that's what I want to speak about in the the, the coming few weeks. I want to speak about the Holy Spirit, your helper. How God has given the Holy Spirit to us and the practical ways that He will help us if we will include Him as we, as we go through life. See, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a Him. He is a person, a real person, just like the person sitting next to you. In fact, He's closer to you than the person sitting next to you. He lives inside you. And, and not only is He a person, He is a divine person. He is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. All the attributes that they have, He has too. And this divine person lives inside you for your benefit and for mine. Now, we're going to look at a passage here in John chapter 14, because in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit Because he was going and the Holy Spirit would come to take his place. And so he was preparing the disciples for this transition. Uh, And so we're going to read from verse 16. and, and, And here's what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, there's seven things I, I I want us to note about this passage very briefly. This is just an introduction this morning to this series. There are seven things that I think we need to get a hold of. And the first thing is this, that Jesus promised that when he went and ascended into heaven, he would pray the Father, and the Father would give us the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus said on another occasion, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I remember when I first became a Christian and went along to a Pentecostal church, and, and back in those days... We used to have what was called tarrying meetings. Who remembers tarrying meetings? Tarrying means to wait. Well, you waited for the Holy Spirit because we read the scriptures and we saw that the the disciples waited in the upper room uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. They waited and so we had to wait. And we waited and we waited and we waited. And some of us waited a long time (laughs) until somebody realized that that was only once that they waited. And then when he came... You didn't have to wait anymore. You just received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And in fact, when the the apostles preached the gospel, they actually invited a response to every member of the Holy Trinity, the Godhead. It was repentance towards God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and receive the Holy Spirit. So we respond to every member of the Godhead. We repent towards God. We change our mind. And we replace our thoughts with His thoughts. We receive, uh, sorry, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our trust in Him. We rest in Him for forgiveness of sins and righteousness and eternal life. Amen. And we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. and, And He comes into our lives to dwell with us. See, God gave His Son for us, but He gave His Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to apply everything that Jesus purchased on the cross for us. To work that into our lives, to make that a reality, so that we might experience it, and it might become real to us. Now I'm going to say this, you know, some people get very superstitious about Jesus and they kind of uh, want experiences with Jesus. You know we even have these sort of uh, you know this thing called the stigmata where you know the, the statues that bleed and and people go running to these things thinking that somehow if they can be in the presence of something like that they will get something more of God. Now it's not only that branch of the church that has that kind of carnal thinking. You know, many Christians have not yet understood that all that God wants to give to them comes to them through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Somehow we we kind of feel that there's an experience out there where we can maybe uh, get closer to Jesus somehow. You know, for example, some people, uh, they, they tell us that they've been transported to heaven. You know, they've, been gone, they've gone to heaven and they've written books about it. And it's almost like they're more superior to us now. Because they got a little bit closer than we could get. You know, I tell you what, those books mean absolutely nothing to me. I think, good on you if you've been there and done that. But I've got everything that Jesus wants me to have Through the indwelling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then some people think if they can see an angel, you know, and and, uh, people have actually written books about that, you know, angelic visitations come into their room and so what? You know, the angels are not superior to the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells you. It's a carnal, carnal way of thinking, running after this experience, running after that, when the one, the divine person of the, 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 the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, lives inside us and to bring us everything that Jesus purchased for us. And, and that's what Jesus had to impress upon the disciples. See, they were depressed when He when He got to this point, where he said, I'm going away now. You're not going to see me much longer. And they got depressed. And so he had to say to them, it's okay, it's actually for your advantage. In fact, let's go to chapter 16. Turn across the page there, and he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Wow! He says, you know, you've got me living alongside you, but this is localized, this is in one place. It's to your advantage that I go, because when I go, he will come, and he will live inside you, and he will be real to you, and not only you, but in every believer, right across the world. And so, understand this, don't try to detain me. Don't try to hold me back because that will work against you. God's will is not that I remain on earth but that I go and that He comes to do what God wants to do in your lives. This is the era of the Spirit that we are living in now. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Mary who was shattered, then she saw Him and she tried to hold on to Him. You know, I lost you once, I'm not going to let you go this time. It was that kind of holding on. And Jesus said this, do not cling to me because I have not yet ascended to my Father. Don't try to detain me here. Don't try to hold me back. You've got to understand that this is not how it's going to be from now on. It's going to be by the Spirit that God does His work, the Spirit working in us and through us. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. He said, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know Him thus no longer. We're not going to know him that way from now on. It's going to be different. And we need to understand that the, the normal Christian life is the, the life of the Spirit of God living in us and living through us. Now the second thing that we read here, we go back to John 14, is that Jesus referred to him as a helper. I like that phrase. Some, some translators use the word comforter. I think the NIV has a counselor. That's a good word as well. It's the word parakletos. Para is alongside, kletos is to call. The, the Greek word to call. You know, the, the church is the ecclesia, the called out body. And, and so the Holy Spirit has been called alongside us in order to help us. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He will help you and me in everything. Everything concerning our lives. He will be our helper. You're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to go it alone. You're meant to learn to walk in unison with the Holy Spirit and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say something now which might seem so obvious to you and we know it up here but if it doesn't reach here then it's going to be detrimental to us. And this is what I want to say. Everything that God wants to get done in us and through us will only get done through the Holy Spirit. Everything that God wants to get done in us and through us will only get done through the Holy Spirit. So our lives will be effective to the degree that we learn to walk in the Spirit, to lean upon the Spirit, to trust in the spirit his help in us and his grace in us working through us to accomplish all that god wants us to do take away the holy spirit from the christian life and it becomes the dead letter of the law somebody kind of cynically said this that uh, if the holy spirit was taken away from the church today 80 percent of the church would carry on as normal Which, you know, may be true. Maybe we've been so conditioned to doing things in our own strength without really trusting in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit that we don't realize that much of what we're doing has no real value because it's not done in His strength and by His grace. See, in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Everything that God does in your life. I mean, even your salvation and my salvation is a result of the working of the Holy Spirit. Nobody can just come to Jesus like that. Jesus said, no man comes to me except the Father draws me. Paul says, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. Amen? The fact that we've been here today worshipping Him, calling Him our Lord is because the Holy Spirit worked in our lives. The scales fell from our eyes. We were able to see Jesus because of the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit working in us. Isn't that wonderful? And and, you know, that was just work begun. And He's been working in us and through us to make us more like Jesus, to conform us to the image of Jesus. And He's been sanctifying us and setting us apart under God. He's been working in us and causing us to be fruitful as we trust in Him. And everything that God wants to get done in your life and my life will only be done through the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing that we read here is this, that when He comes, and He has come, when we receive Jesus, He will abide with us forever. Oh, that's so wonderful. See, this is the era of the Spirit. You say, didn't the Spirit work in the Old Testament era? Yes, He did. He worked on leaders and prophets and judges and kings and so on. And, and, and some people say, oh, yes, but he came on them, but not in them. No, he also came in them and worked in them, but, but there was no indwelling. There was no indwelling. Do you remember David prayed this prayer? Um, that psalm, um, how does it go now? Um, where it says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. We've turned that into a song. You know, but that's an old covenant era. God will never take his Holy Spirit from you. Jesus said when he comes, he will abide with you forever. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he is with us every step of our journey on earth. Until you breathe your last breath and the Lord takes you home to be with him, or until he comes, To take the church to be back with him. The Holy Spirit will be with you throughout your entire journey. He will never, no, never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that beautiful? Now, there are times when you feel His presence more than others. In fact, there are times when He is in your spirit, but He's not in your heart because you have not allowed Him to be in your heart. Your heart is full of other things. My heart is full of other things, full of the world, full of my pursuits. And there's very little room for the Holy Spirit, but He's in my spirit. He he will never, ever leave me nor forsake me. That's a beautiful thought. I remember when I first began my ministry, and I shared a little bit about this with you, and I did not have an understanding of the things of God. And uh, back in those days, you know, I I, I remember preaching a, a sermon based on Samson, you know, when Samson, uh, uh, the Bible says that um, when Delilah, you know, caused him to compromise and give him the secret of his anointing, it says that she cried out, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the Bible says that Samson went out as before, and he, the King James says, He wist not. He wist not. He knew not. That means that the Spirit had departed from him. I remember preaching this sermon. See, the, be careful, the Holy Spirit could just leave you like that. You know, that's not true. I realize that now. That's not true. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. He will abide with you forever. God has given him to you to be constant, permanent companions here on earth so that he might get done in us and through us all that God wants to do. Amen. In fact, the Bible says this. After you believed, you were sealed with the Spirit wow that 's precious. I love that word and there 's a, a whole sermon in that but but basically you know a seal is is a sign of authenticity and ownership. You know we talk about signed and sealed and, and a signature in some situations is not enough. You need an official seal because a seal said that says that whatever that seal is upon is the Ownership of the one who owns the seal. And God has given you and I his spirit and he's saying, you are mine. You belong to me. You've been bought with a price and you are mine. Don't ever forget it. Don't let the world forget it. He that touches you touches the apple of his eye. You are owned by the Lord. And not only does it speak about ownership, but it speaks about security. Remember the, the, the tomb was sealed. And, and when we seal things, they're secure. You've been secured by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I know we have to keep ourselves, but the Bible says we're also kept by God. God is working in us. God is working through us. He that begun a good work in us will perfect it and complete it through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Praise God. And then the fourth thing we read here in verse 17 is that he's called the Spirit of Truth. We talk a little bit more about this in in our series, but, but the Holy Spirit's role is to ensure that we know truth, that we embrace truth, because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that builds us up and gives us an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth who will guide us into all truth. He is our teacher. Look at verse 26, chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Isn't that beautiful? You've got a teacher living inside you. Who is, who is constantly teaching you the things that you need to know. Because there are many other voices trying to teach you things that are wrong. There are many voices in the world that are, are teaching things that will mess with your mind and consequently mess with your lives, if you believe those things. But the Bible says that you have an anointing, an anointing that you should know all things. All things that are true. Look at uh, chapter 15 and verse twenty. Six. it says when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify of me so the Holy Spirit always wants to teach us about Jesus you know his role is to show us that the Christian life is about Jesus it's about knowing him It's about knowing Him and and trusting in Him. And so the Holy Spirit will, will show you that you are in Christ. That's the doctrine that He really wants you and I to get a hold of, is that when we got saved, we got baptized into Jesus. We're now in Christ. We died with Him to who we were. We were buried with Him. We've been raised to newness of creation. You're in Christ now. And not only are you in Christ, but Christ is in you. And Christ is going to live through you. It's not you living for Jesus, it's Him living through you, as we often say. And He will show you your identity is in Christ. And your inheritance is in Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit will not teach you about the law. He will not give you—you you know, teach you about commandments and rules and get you to focus on these things. He will not teach you about your fleshly ability, when you hear a sermon that says, you know, all the things you can be and do and, 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 and puffs up human flesh, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will keep bringing you back to Jesus, getting you to focus on him and to, to enjoy his life in you by faith. Chapter 16 and verse 13 says, however, when the, he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the, the witness of the Spirit within you, always speaking about Jesus. And then number five, go back to chapter 14, verse 17. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. See, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive... I remember hearing a a lady once, uh, in fact, I was chatting with her, and uh, uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. She said, oh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, that's great. I said, how long have you been a Christian? She said, oh, I'm not a Christian. I thought, no, something wrong here. (laughs) Because the world cannot receive him. You see? In the Old Testament, the priests, the priests would be anointed with blood on the thumb, what is it, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right, the big toe of the right foot. Remember that? And then, not only that, afterwards, oil would be smeared in those same places, on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe in other words the oil cannot come where the blood has not been the oil cannot come where the blood has not been, the world cannot receive him, the world cannot know him, but you know him now that doesn't mean to say that the the Holy Spirit does not minister to the world, he does and Jesus talks about that, his ministry to the world come with me to chapter 16 again and it says in verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Oh, I wish Christians would not just stop there when they were. Do you know? Do you know, this is a tragedy what I'm going to share with you. I got an email yesterday that a pastor had written a letter to a, 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 I think it was the Brisbane Times and said, the reason for the bushfires is because the Victorian state government passed pro-abortion laws. Can, Can you imagine that? At a time when these people are just so hurting and so grieving to say that God has done this because of that, because God is a God of judgment. Friends, listen. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the judgment of the world. So, what, when the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts of sin, what sin is that? Verse 9 tells us of sin because they do not believe in me. Of sin because they do not believe in me. You know, Jesus said in His own day, when a, a tower fell on some people and people were saying, oh, that's because they were sinful people. Jesus said, don't say that. They weren't any more sinful than anyone else. You know, it's not a direct result. God does not directly judge people because of their sin. This is not an age of judgment. This is an age of grace. This is a day of salvation when God is reaching out in love to the world. And the only sin that he's convicting people of is this. If they, if they go through this world without receiving the Savior who took their sin on his own back, then there is no excuse. There is no place to run to. And that's why we share the gospel, the good news of salvation. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict people, to put their trust in Jesus of righteousness. He says, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So it's not to do about God's going to come around judging people in this time. No, it's not what he's saying there. So the Holy Spirit is getting people ready to receive Jesus by his ministry. Now... The next thing he says, going back to chapter 14, the sixth thing he says, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. That's what I want to talk about. We know him. How well do we know him? How well do we know him? You know, in the same chapter, Jesus said something like this. He said, he's speaking about the Father and, and Philip introduced, interrupted him and said you keep talking about the father show us the father and it's sufficient for us and jesus said philip have i been so long with you and yet have you not known me he that has seen me has seen the father now you know i wonder you know when we get to heaven you know we're going to meet the father we're going to meet the son and then we might meet somebody else and we might say oh who's this person there's the holy spirit And the Holy Spirit might say to us, have I been so long with you, yet you have not known me. And and I want to speak about just developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one whom God gave to you and me to get done all that he wants to get done in us and through us. Okay, the last thing that we, we see here is that, and this is a wonderful thing, because you can never understand the Godhead He says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so it's the Holy Spirit who comes, but it's Jesus who comes. He brings the life of Jesus. In fact, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He that has the Son has life. We have received the life of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit who manifests that life Through us. And that's the key to living the Christian life. It's not trying to live for Him, it's living by faith in Him that He will live through us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not me trying to be more loving, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's me allowing Jesus to do in me through the Spirit what I cannot do in my own strength. I cannot love the unlovely. I can't even love the lovely sometimes. (laughs) You leave me to myself and I just love me. I can't understand why the whole world doesn't just love me. That's how selfish we are, isn't it? But you know, when Jesus lives inside us, we love not only others, but we love the unlovely. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. And it's not peace when everything around is quiet. It's, It's peace when your world around you is falling apart. When there's turmoil. A supernatural peace. A peace that passes all understanding. That's the Holy Spirit manifesting the life of Jesus through us. And we need to be aware of Him. We need to develop a relationship with Him, to foster that friendship, that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Can can you just give me five minutes to look at two other verses as we wind up this morning that will help us to to think in terms of relationship when we think about the Holy Spirit? The first scripture I'm going to turn you to is... um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 19. And and it says there, Do not quench the Spirit. And the word quench means actually to extinguish as a fire. You know, if there's a fire, and you just throw a bucket of cold water over it to put it out, that's the meaning of that word. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out His operation. The wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is that He does work in us and through us, but He never overrides our will. He leads us, not controls us. That's why I never like that term, the, the Spirit-controlled life. God doesn't control people. Cults do that sort of thing, but God never does, He always leads people. And oftentimes, the Holy Spirit wants to do things. See, in the context here, it says, It gives you some example. Do not despise prophecies. Maybe somebody's prophesying, and we just kind of say, Oh, that's just them. Well, the fact is that God uses people just like them. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Don't Put out the flame of the Holy Spirit when he may be to bring a word to your life through another person. It says, test all things, hold fast to what is good, but be receptive to the Spirit's ministry. You know, the Holy Spirit might, might uh, bring an unsafe person along our way. And, and we might kind of really want to discourage any kind of ongoing contact with that person. Because we just love Christians. You know? And the Holy Spirit is quenched because maybe He wants us to build up a relationship with that person, to to show them the love of Jesus, to share the gospel with them. And, And so when we pull away from that, we're quenching what the Holy Spirit does. He won't override us, He won't force His way upon us, but He wants to lead us and He wants us to follow His leading. Or maybe, you know, God wants to encourage you through another believer. And as I've just said, maybe, maybe we kind of have a grading system in our mind and we think some people are more spiritual than us and we're more spiritual than others. So anyone that's below us, we, we can't receive from. You know, it's a crazy thinking that we have sometimes. But God will use whoever he wants to use. Some of the most significant words in my life have been brought to me by people who have been struggling spiritually. And yet God used them because they were just available. And he spoke through them. And then another verse, the second verse, is in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll close with this verse this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That word grieve is actually an intense sorrow. It's more than sorrow. It goes beyond sorrow and 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 it's a deep intense inner feeling of sorrow and uh, the Holy Spirit who is a person who does live inside us can be grieved well well, how can he be grieved you look at the context you look at what he says before for example in verse 26 he says be angry and do not sin do not let the Sun go down on your off sometimes we get angry With others, with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Holy Spirit understands that because anger is a response. It's a proper response to something that is not right. And when people do things or say things that are not right, we respond with anger. And that's okay. But what the Holy Spirit says and what the Word of God says is don't let the sun go down on your anger. Get it sorted out. Because if there are uh, breaks in fellowship, you know, if, if we fall out with people, and then maybe you see them in a shopping mall and you duck into a shop, you know, and I'm looking at this, these bras and panties, I'm like, it's me, kind of. It's obvious that I'm just really wanting to get away from that person. You understand what I'm saying? Then the rumours go around. I saw Ken in the shop. I just, I'm sure there's something wrong with him. There's something funny going on there. <laughs> now, But that grieves the Holy Spirit because the same Holy Spirit who indwells you indwells that person. And we're not right. We've fallen out. And, you know, it goes on to say, um, for example, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I know I've said things at times and maybe said things negatively or unkindly about another person. And I've sensed that grieving of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit said, Oh, why did you say that? Why did you have to say that about that member of the body of Christ? You ever experienced that? You know, you, nobody needs to say anything to you. You just know that you've grieved the Holy Spirit by saying that. And, and, and yet the Holy Spirit wants us to use our words to build people up to speak positively, to affirm people, to impart grace, it says, to the hearers. Uh, you know, verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away. These are the things that, that grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is symbolized by a dove. And a dove is, is a, an embodiment of tenderness and love. You think about it, a dove has no barbed beak to attack others. It has no sharp talons. It has no means of self-defense because it's not in the nature of a dove to attack other creatures. I read a book once by uh, an old preacher called Ian McPherson. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. And he was great at illustrating sermons. In fact, he's got a book on the art of illustrating sermons. And he, he gave this illustration once of when he saw a dove fly into um, a budgerigar Avery. And and all these guards started to attack the dove and the dove didn't do anything. He just basically got mutilated. You know, that's like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not fight back and and claw back and, and get back at people. That's the flesh. And you know what, friends? You never overcome the flesh with flesh. You'll only overcome the flesh with spirit. Amen? You know, we're all capable of getting back and think, oh, I'll fix you, I'll, you know, wait, that'll keep, you know, that sort of thing. But you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't say there's a higher way. You know, walk in the Spirit and don't walk in the flesh because that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. When Noah wanted to know whether the waters had abated, he, he let out, was it a raven? And a raven is a carnivorous bird. And, and, and a, a raven fed upon that dead, corrupt flesh. But the the, the dove went out and came back because a dove does not feed upon corrupt flesh. What a beautiful picture that is. And and so just for those two verses, grieving the Holy Spirit and, and quenching the Holy Spirit, understand that we have a relationship. We talk about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit being with us. We have a relationship with the Spirit of God. And as with all relationships, we learn to be sensitive to the other person. Amen. We learn. You know, when Marianne and I first got married, I tell her we were opposites. We come from different backgrounds, even different countries. And uh, I was totally insensitive to. I'd never had any sister, I had three brothers, didn't know how to treat a woman. And uh, there were a lot of tears in those early years because of my insensitivity. But, you know, as we've got, gone along, I've learned the things that make her happy and the things that make her sad. And I'm still learning, as she will remind me when we get home. Um, and, and, you know, there were times when, when in my call and my ministry, you know, maybe she was not sensitive to where I was heading in the ministry and, and, and she might not have supported me in that and and quench what I was trying to do. But now she's grown to understand the call of God and and how that works in my heart and she's supportive in that. It takes time to grow, to work together in relationship together. But you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what a relationship that can be. What a powerful relationship that can be because all that God wants to do in you and through you will be done by the Holy Spirit so we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about learning to hear the voice, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to know his voice when he's speaking. And, and, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to show you the power of the cross, all that Jesus has done for you, so that you can enjoy that and live life to the max. The Holy Spirit wants to show you the, the life of holiness, and, and, and to take you in that road. The Holy Spirit wants to show you the grace of God for every situation that you're in. You know, you're going to get in into situations and as you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll show you God's grace for that situation. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a vision, God's vision for your life so that you can understand how you've been gifted, how you've been crafted by God and, and, and the plan that God has for you as you run the race and as you, as you live for Him. Amen. And, and you know, the, the key to that is just developing this relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I say again, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.